So I'm Darren. Uh, I'll tell you a bit today about why physicists like myself are interested in frustration. I mean, it might sound a bit strange, right? Why frustration? I mean, I, I hope through this talk you get a sense of why that is something interesting. So the big question we play with is why, you know, how does nature really deal with frustration? And I find that, you know, the best way to understand something is really to just do it. So we're going to play a simple game, right? We're all going to pretend to be magnetic particles. And there are two simple rules, right? So every rule, the rule number one, you can either be sitting uh, down or standing up, right? So you can be in two states, either up or down. So no sleeping in this talk, of course. Uh, the other rule is, if I go, if you have a neighbor who is the opposite to you, so if you're up and the next person next to you is down, then you get, let's say, a quid, you know, shared between the two of you. So for example, if I come up now, right? And I'm standing next to David. So he's sitting down. So we have a quid. But if I move over to this gentleman here, then now we share. And, and we don't have any more um, money there in the, in the pair. So what would you do as an auditorium, as, as, as the audience? You know, what would you do now? I, I saw some people starting to move. If you wanted to, yeah, so you have people standing up. Should everyone stand up, for example? So if you, if you have a neighbor who's sitting up, sitting, standing up, sitting down. Very nice, very nice. So what you guys look like right now is something like this, right? You have one up, one down, one up, one down. The best strategy is to alternate. So you are basically simulating a one-dimensional chain. You know, if red represents up and blue represents down, then the best you can do is to have one up, one down, one up, one down. And this gives an average of one quid per person. But what if you wanted more? Let's be a bit more creative. Let's consider the, the people in front of you and behind you as neighbors as well. Is there a way to increase the, the amount of money you have if the person in front of you is sitting down and the person beside you is standing up? What do you do then? Is there a way that you know, collectively the whole, the whole room can be maximized. Yes. Anyone has a question? Please ask. Also, yes. <laughs> right. Right. You could do that. You could do that in a polite way, of course. We're all <laughs> uh, civilized people here. Yes. Is there a way for everyone to organize themselves? What do you think? Yeah. If the roles, I mean, there's no, there's no particular reason why the roles can't shift. For example, right. So conceptually, I think you can imagine you can have a pattern like this. You'd want the row in front of you to be alternating, yes, but also in a sense, you know, if the person is in front of you is standing up, you want to be sitting down. And the rows can move relative to each other to get that kind of configuration. And this does better. You get an ordered state, meaning to say, you know, it's all very pretty, you know, you have a checkerboard kind of pattern. And you have more money, right? Two quid per person because you have four neighbors. Everyone has four neighbors in an idealized way, of course. Everyone has four neighbors. But the next question I want to ask you is this. What if you tried to be greedy? Really greedy. You know, really packed together. Now, in two dimensions, right? If we just talk about people standing on the floor, the closest you can get is sort of having six neighbors. Right? Is there a way in which we can get 
the pattern such that you, you maximize the amount of um, uh, money you get from, from this arrangement. Let's try to work it out. So let's say the, the starting one, number one, let's just call it up, I mean, or, or down. Let's, let's make it red. The one next to it, number two, well, clearly, I mean, it's going to say, oh, look, my, my neighbor's sitting down, so let me stand up. Let me be blue. What about number three? Red, blue? Red? All right. Yeah, that's the no-brainer, right? Number four. Oh, blue or red? At this point, it doesn't seem to matter, right? If you're blue, you, you, get, you share with the person who's red, but not with the person who's blue. And if you're blue, you share with the... Uh, it, it, you, can't, you can't win. So there's an arbitrariness to this choice. But what about five now? Blue, right? Based on the number of neighbors that, that they have now, it's clear that it should be blue. And you can go on filling up the rest of it. Doesn't look very ordered, does it? It looks pretty random. But there is some kind of rule inside. If you think about it, if you consider a triangle, any three neighbors, right? Out of these three pairs, there is no way you can have more than two of the neighbors being so-called uh, opposite to each other. You either have two red, one blue, or two blue, one red. Of course, if you have all of them red or all of them blue, you don't, you don't get any money from, from all that interaction. But as long as you have two red and one blue, or two blue and one red, that's actually the best you can do. So in this case, we can work out by looking at the triangles that because every two out of three pairs in the triangle can um, get you know, one, one, one quid out of it. If you have six neighbors per person, then every four out of six neighbors, on average, we're go are going to give you um, that, that satisfied interaction, that, that up and down uh, pairing. So you end up with the same state. No matter how hard you try, you get an average of two quid per person because you have more neighbors, but only two out of three of the neighbors will be nicely arranged with you. But there's so many ways you can, you can do this. Um, sorry, there are so many ways you can do this. So for example, if you go back to the simple square configuration, you either have a pattern like this or a pattern with all the reds and blues flipped around. You only have something like this. But with the hexagon, there's a lot of ways you can have a configuration that gives you this two quid per person, and that's what we call frustration. And as physicists, we're interested in it, in it not just from a mathematical point of view, but because in a lot of real materials, we actually have the magnetic particles arranged in such configurations. Right? So at the top there, you can see um, it looks like a mess, but actually if you look at only the magnetic particles uh, at the bottom on the left, uh, they form what we call the pyrochlor lattice, where, which has lots of these triangular motifs. And um, so, you know, and chemists uh, are even able to make things like molecular magnets that you see in the bottom center over here. You know, just big molecules that, that actually uh, have all kinds of um, different geometries that you have. And uh, the guy uh, making the baskets there, um, that kind of weave pattern, we call it the kagome pattern. So physics uh, has adopted the term from Japanese basket weaving to call the kind of lattices that we see, these well, star shapes, uh, as kagome lattices. And in fact, the research that I'm doing, uh, together with my advisor, John Chalker, is actually on the extended kagome lattice. So you see in blue, 
the atoms uh, are in Kagome configuration. And they are joined together by the yellow dots into sort of bipyramidal structures. So this is one frustrated uh, system of cobalt ions. And that's, that's what we're trying to understand theoretically. And a brief sketch, you know, what does a theoretical physicist do? It seems kind of abstract, it seems kind of strange. Well, we have coffee, all right? We have discussions, have some equations. Uh, we, we throw dice in a figurative way, in the sense that we have uh, random numbers to simulate the random motion of uh, electrons. Right? So we, we do computer simulations to try to model the behavior. And of course, the data ultimately comes from the experimentalists. So that's uh, showing the ISIS laboratory uh, at the Rutherford Appleton lab. So I hope from this talk, I've uh, managed to show you that what might seem like apparent disorder from frustration might be a hidden kind of order that's deeply hidden and quite interesting. And to me, this creative tension that's brought about by frustration uh, in the context of collective behavior is really what makes the, the whole field so exciting and interesting. So thank you. I hope you get frustration in a sense without having gotten too frustrated in this talk. <laughs> <laughs>